0: Good afternoon, 12 us. How are we doing this afternoon? So, will you please turn uh, with me to the book of Song of Solomon, and that's where we're going to, to get our word for today. It's always such a, I consider it a, a honor and a privilege for me to bring to bring you the word. I consider it an honor and a privilege for me to worship with you and to serve God uh, together. So I, I appreciate this time and I appreciate this family. Um, I appreciate that this family is a family that is full of faith and you can sense it and you can feel it in our worship. I also appreciate that this family is a diverse family. Uh, and uh, and I have the vantage point, I have the benefit of standing here and looking out, and I get to see the diversity uh, that we celebrate. And it's amazing uh, that we don't all look the same. It's amazing that we don't all represent one culture. It's amazing that we don't all represent one life experience. This is what the kingdom looks like. Um, so one, that's just one of the things that I love about how we are building together as 12 as, twelvers as is we, we are comfortable to be diverse. And I want to tell you that it's okay to be diverse. Let's celebrate that um, and, and let's use that to, to become richer people. Is that okay? Amen. We, we are on our uh, second week of uh, a, a series that we're doing called The King's Letters. Or The King's Letters, sorry. Uh, looking at the book of of Song Song of Solomon, and uh, Pastor Roger gave us the first instalment last week, uh, and uh, looking at uh, at the story of the relationship between the Shulamite woman and and uh, and, and Solomon, who who was who is pursuing her, and uh, and he and he showed us how in when there was distance between the two of them, so they had a love relationship, and when there was distance between the two of them, that she hung on to the words that he spoke to her. And that it was these words that encouraged her, that these words that inspired her, and it was these words that helped her to continue to pursue and to continue to remain faithful. Uh, and, and, that, uh, and that there was an invitation That the king extended towards this woman to come away uh, with him, to come away into a place where there were no distractions, there was no competition for the attention that they would give towards one another, to come away out of uh, their their distracted or her distracted and busy life, to come away out of sinful situations, to come away and to come into a place of relationship with him. And of course, we know that this this uh, this book of the Bible is a story, uh, a, a poem or a song um, that we can take the characters that are are portrayed in this in this poem and we can see a prophetic parallel between these characters and our relationship that we have today with Jesus, and that when This woman was hanging on to the words that were spoken by her lover. It was tantamount to how we hang on to the words that our lover, Jesus Christ, has left for us. And and the words that he's left for us are found in the Bible. And so we hang on to the words of the Bible and it is these words that inspire us. It is these words that remind us of his love for us. It is these words that help us to remain faithful to Him. Amen. We also know that there's an invitation that He has extended for us to come and to be in relationship with Him, to come away from our sinful lives, to come away from our distracted lives, to come away from our busy lives, and to come and to be nourished by Him, and to come and to be in relationship with Him. We had an awesome moment last week when we had 12 brave people Who responded to that invitation to come away. And that that was a holy moment. And we continue to celebrate with those people and we continue to pray for those people. In fact, most of them would have been in our foundations class this morning as they continue to cultivate that place of relationship, that place of intimacy with the Father. And we pray, and we we pray that you will continue uh, to, to pursue that you will continue to respond to the call to come away. And so, have have we found our way to Song of Solomon? Awesome. What I want to talk to us about today is a little bit of a shift that we see taking place in the relationship between the Shulamite woman and the king who pursues her. And so today, I want to talk about Seeking the king. So last week, we saw very much that the king was pursuing her. And that he was drawing her into relationship with him. And if you have been a Christian, if you have been in a relationship with Jesus for a, any particular period of time, you will know that your relationship with Jesus shifts. That there was a time... When he pursued you, and he wooed you, and he brought you into relationship with him. That there was a time where he continued to be the pursuer. But that there was a moment when the relationship shifted. When when the relationship matured. And the way we know that the relationship that we have with Jesus has reached maturity is that we start to pursue. We start to seek Him out. And so I want to look at this next portion in the book of Song of Solomon, chapter 3. And I hope you brought your Bibles with you to church because I intentionally made that small so that you wouldn't rely on that. And that next week you'd learn to bring your Bible to church. I'll I'll read it for a song, Song of Solomon chapter 3. I think that goes up until verse 6, but we will do the whole chapter. By night on my bed, I sought the one I love. I sought him, but I did not find him. I will arise now, I said, and go about the city. In the streets and in the squares, I will seek The one I love. I sought him, but I did not find him. The watchmen who go about the city found me. I said, Have you seen the one I love? Scarcely had I passed by them when I found the one I love. I held him. And will not let go until I had brought him to the house of my mother and into the chamber of her who conceived me. I charge you, O daughters of Jerusalem, by the gazelles or by the does of the field, do not stir up nor awaken love until it pleases. Amen. Amen. It was in the year 2009, June the 28th, somewhere between 10.30 and 11 a.m. when I first laid eyes on my wife. (laughs) And I experienced... An overwhelming sense of gravity that pulled me towards this person, and I knew I had to speak with this person. We were in Cape Town at the Baxter Theatre, the His People Services were being held there. We now all, every nation, and it was during one of the, one of these church services when I looked across. And saw this person and spent the rest of the service repenting. <laughs> 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 on a totally unrelated note, I know that there have been some narratives um, that have been going around on social media. Uh, the, the men are trash hashtag and the different views on that. I, I, I thought I might do my service to society. I have uh, two coffee vouchers here that I want to give to two men who want to discuss the men are trash dialogue. Men, if you, if you want to unpack to a particular lady... Why men are not trash. I want to sponsor that dialogue. Can I, can I see a hand? Is there... Come on, brother. Is, is, is there another man in the house who would like to hold a conversation just to undo... Bro, (laughs) hold that conversation at home. (laughs) Is there a brave brother in the house? Because this voucher is going. (laughs) Hold that conversation at home. Oh, I didn't see that hand. Awesome. Come on. In the next 30 minutes or so, maybe even next week, if you want to redeem that voucher, please uh, speak to the particular lady that the Lord is highlighting to you. Just to unpack the dialogue. I just want to unpack this dialogue. Um, Will you have a quick coffee with me? (laughs) Don't say I don't love you guys. (laughs) The Shulamite woman wakes up in the middle of the night, it is dark. And she utters these words, by night on my bed, I sought the one I love. I want to talk to us about seeking God. When I would, so let me put it this way. The context that I didn't give you about the story when I first met my wife was that she was living in Cape Town, and I was living in Joburg, and I happened to be in Cape Town uh, for, for a particular reason. And that was part of the urgency, was I knew that I had just one chance to, to interact with this lady so that I could, I could maintain a communication and, and, and unpack. There, there, were, there were matters that needed to be unpacked and uh, and so for 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 the rest of that year i would spend my airtime and my sms on this one particular lady because that was you know that was before the time, that was before whatsapp where you could just you know how are you in one line and then wait for this i'm good you had to figure out everything you wanted to say in that sms because you know there's limited funds <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and I couldn't just go and Facebook stalk her. In fact, I think it was, it was in the Mix-It time. Do you remember Mix-It? But I couldn't go the Mix-It route because I didn't want to communicate to her that I'm a cheapskate. So, so I, I had to be willing to pay for SMSs and calls and from time to time a plane ticket to fly to Cape Town so that I could see her. My motivation for wanting to be in close proximity with her was because I admired her, and I was in love with her. In fact, the money that I spent on communicating, the money that I spent on plane tickets going to see her, I counted as nothing compared to the reward of getting to spend time with her. Why do we pursue our ultimate lover who is our God? Because we love him and because we admire him. Why are we willing to pay the cost of whatever it's going to take to pursue to get into the relationship and to maintain relationship because the cost is nothing compared to getting to spend time with him. As much as I was elated by the reward of getting to spend time with Kulu, who was then somebody that I was pursuing, the feeling of spending time with God far supersedes that. The reward of pursuing God far supersedes that. God calls us to pursue the kingdom. Matthew 6:33 says this, says, "Seek first the, His kingdom and His righteousness and all things that are on your plate." this is the lyrics paraphrase, will be added unto you. All the things that concern you, all the things that give you anxiety, all the things that threaten to keep you up at night, all the things that compete for attention between these things and God, seek God first, and wonder of wonders, those things will be added. And yet we tend to fall into the trap of seeking after the things. We feel the urgency. We feel the pressure. And so we choose to seek the things. Guess what? You can go after the things, and you can get the things, but God will not be added to those things. His righteousness will not be added to those things. Your part in the kingdom will not be added to those things so because god wants these things for you he says seek first the kingdom pursue me first and when you get this right everything else will start to fall into place when we learn to prioritize the invitation is to seek The face of God and not the hands of God. So sometimes we can turn away from this part. We get the, okay, Lord, I get it. I'm not going to seek the things. I'm going after you. But sometimes we can find ourselves in the process of going after God to be going after what's in his hands, to be going after the blessings, to be going after the stuff. So now instead of just going directly for the stuff, We're just going for, Lord, where's the stuff? Missing the point. And God is saying, seek my face. Seek me for me, not for what I can give you. Because as long as you're seeking me for what I can give you, you are still in the bondage of the stuff. Have you ever walked in a mall, and in the distance, you see somebody that you recognize and you immediately duck into the nearest store. <laughs> because you know this person is going to ask for something. This person is going to want something from me. When this person calls and you see their, co- their contacts come up on your phone, it's not a delight to answer this phone call. Hey, I thought we could hang out. And you know, mm, this hanging out is going to cost me. And you're trying to figure out on the phone while talking, what's the line that I can walk before, it, this is a complete lie, this excuse that I'm about to give. You know, <laughs> How do you think God feels? When the only reason you come into his presence is to ask for stuff. Does it delight him to see your caller ID come up? Now we understand that God wants to bless us. He wants to give us the stuff. But if our relationship with God is primarily based on the stuff, then it's no relationship at all. It's not a personal relationship. It's an online shopping relationship. tick, 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 check out, you know, thanks, see you next time, seek first, when do we see God? At all times, it's good to see God at all times, I love, I love this quote by, by Smith Wigglesworth who was, who was a phenomenal man of God and greatly anointed and, and did some crazy miracles, Uh, And God was with him, and and he said this, that, that he never goes for, he never prays for more than, I think he said he never prays for more than 30 minutes, but that he never goes for more than 30 minutes without praying. The Bible tells us that Jesus continuously withdrew from people into the presence of God. He would withdraw from people before a meeting he would withdraw from people after a meeting he would withdraw from people just after doing something phenomenal you know when we do something 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 great and we're like yo and i got to do it in public too and the people so and now and then we wait for the you know yo brother <laughs> yeah that's right <laughs> you know we want we want the slow clap jesus did some hectic things but didn't wait for the slow clap. He would retreat into the presence of God because you see, his affirmation didn't come from what he gets from everybody else. His affirmation came from intimacy with the Father. And so he would continuously retreat and go to be with the Father. In fact, do you realize that God answered every prayer that Jesus prayed? Think about that. Every prayer that he prayed was answered? How would you like to have the kind of relationship with God where he answers every one of your prayers? That would be amazing. Jesus valued intimacy with God because he was intimate and close to God. He knew the will of the Father, and the will of the Father transformed him so that he became more and more like his Father, and when he became more like him, the things he started to want were more like the things that God wanted. The things that he started to say were more like the things that God would say. The prayers that he prayed were more like the prayers that God would pray. And God answered those prayers because they were in line with His will. Here's the secret to having every one of your prayers answered by God every time you pray them. Pray according to His will. How do I know what the will of God is? Seek Him. Go after Him. Find Him while He can be found. We're still praying some interesting prayers. We want that, like, hectic, intimate relationship, and Lord answers, he answers all my prayers. But we're still praying those, like, we're still praying those promotion prayers. You know, the Lord, give me a promotion. Lord, give me a man or a woman who's just going to worship me and think the world of me. And God is going... Wait. You you want to be you want to be promoted, you want to be the manager at work. I'm still dealing with you managing your personal disciplines. I'm still dealing with you waking up half an hour earlier so that you can pray and be with me. <laughs> I'm still dealing with how you manage your finances. And you want me to add on that? You want somebody who's going to think the world, I'm still dealing with, are you that person? And sometimes when we incline our ear to what God is saying and what He's doing, we can pray better prayers that are in line with His will. So how, how, how do we see God? The primary way in which God has revealed himself is in his word. If you are doing everything else but you're not reading the Bible, you're going to end up in a weird place. You're going to come up with some weird things and we're going to have to have some difficult conversations. Let's avoid the difficult conversation. Read your Bible. Is that okay? Read your Bible as often as you can. Read your Bible every day. Read a lot of your Bible. Read small chunks of your Bible. Think about the scriptures that you're reading. Don't read a checklist Bible. I read my two verses for the day. Read the Bible to get to know God. Carry the scriptures with you throughout your day. Pray over them. Meditate over them. We may see God in prayer, pray. We may see God in in in, in our singing and in our worship times. We may see, see God in service. We may see God where. So seeking God sometimes looks like this: getting close to the people that he's close to. And you know what the word says? He's close to the brokenhearted. Get close to some broken-hearted people. Do the things that delight God. I love, I love what this uh, uh, Eric Liddell said, who was a, a, a Scottish uh, athlete, Olympic athlete, and a missionary to China. Um, and, and he did some hectic things, and he, would, he used to run, and he would say, I feel the pleasure of God when I run. If you have some things that you do where you feel the pleasure of God, pursue those things read your Bible first. Now, what happens when you pursue God, and you read the Bible, because that's your go-to place, because you you normally just open the Word, and wherever it falls to, you read that Scripture, and it blows up in your face, and it's amazing, and it comes alive. Or you sit in your car, and you put on some worship music and immediately you're in the presence of God or you come to church and you worship and it's a phenomenal and you know where your go-to places are. Maybe you like to jog and you go for a run and you nature and you feel the presence of God. What happens when you go to your go-to place and God is not there? The Shulamite woman describes a situation Where she wakes up, it is dark and immediately she knows that something is wrong. She feels in her bed for the familiar warmth of her lover and he's not there. She can't see in the room, but she listens for that familiar sound of heavy breathing when somebody is in deep sleep that is next to you and she can't hear that breathing and she knows that something is wrong and so she starts to feel around and she starts to get anxious and she starts to wonder where is this person, where is my lover and where could he have gone? What happens when you see God where he used to be, where you used to find him, and he is not there. The Shulamite woman says, I sought him, but I did not find him. What do you do when God is not to be found where you used to find him? Who do you start to blame? Is it the church's fault? Is it the worship team's fault? Is it is it the state of our nation? Is that why you can't tap into the presence of God the way you used to? Is it God himself? Is he pronouncing judgment upon you? Has he turned on you? What do you do when you sense a distance between you and God, when you wake up in the middle of the night and the familiar sound and the familiar feeling of a God who's close to you is no longer there? Job is an interesting character. Job, afflicted by many afflictions. And his friends have come around him, and they've come to comfort him, because in their reasoning, he's on on his way out. He's dying, slowly, painfully, will comfort him and, and see him off. And they've come around him, and they're in the process of comforting him, and his wife, who's also been comforting him, turns around and says to him, are you not tired of suffering? Are you not tired of pain? Are you not tired of this God who has deserted you? Why don't you just curse him and die? What happens when God seems to have deserted you and the people around you seem to be affirming the fact that God has deserted you? What happens when people are tired of dealing with your pain? They're tired of dealing with your discomfort. They're tired of your prayer requests. What happens when you become that guy in the group? With all the prayer requests, pray for me, brothers. I'm still trusting God. And people around you are so tired, they turn around and they say, are you not sick and sick and tired? Curse him and die. We're tired of dealing with your pain. We want to have fun when we come together. You're inconveniencing us with your pain. What do you do? What do you believe about God? Job says in Job 13 verse 15 though he slay me yet will I trust him. It is my hope and my prayer that that testimony would arise in each and every one of us. That My belief in the goodness of God is not dependent on how blessed I feel or what people around me are saying. Even though people around me are saying, curse this God and die who has deserted you, I rise up with a good testimony and I say, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. You see, sometimes, sometimes distance is not equal to judgment. Sometimes, when God puts distance between you and Him, it's an invitation to intimacy. It's an invitation to go deeper. It's an invitation to pursue Him. We're here going, God, you have deserted me. And God is here going, We can stay here. We can. But if we stay here, then we'll never get here. And if we never get here, then you will never get to experience journeying with me. And if you never get to experience journeying with me, you will never know what provision from me looks like. And if you never get to journey with me, you will never get to learn to submit to my leadership. And if I can't have these things outworked in you, then I can't pour out my glory in you because I can't trust you with my glory and if I can't trust you with my glory, I can't use you. And so he's saying, let's go, let's move. You used to find me over here, but guess what? Our relationship has evolved. I'm here now. You're gonna have to work that much harder to press in. Find me here. Let's journey, because I want to use you. Psalm 42 says, as the deer pants for the water, so my soul longs after you. If only we could cry out to God in earnest sincerity. I desire you more than water that sustains my life. This is what her response was, the Shulamite woman. I will rise now, I said, and go about the city. In the streets and in the squares, I will seek the one I love. I sought him, but I did not find him. The watchman who go about the city found me. I said, have you seen the one I love? God is calling you to rise from your bed and pursue. If you're going to rise from your bed and pursue... I want to give you four principles that are going to help you along your way. First thing you're going to have to learn to do is to press past normal. You're going to have to learn to press past the status quo. The Shulamite woman could have reasoned within herself to go, you know, I'm sure he'll be back in the morning. Or it's more logical that I should sleep, wake up in the morning, and then go seek him. The search surely will go much better in the morning. But she got up, and she went to seek. And so we're going to have to learn to press past what would be normally accepted. Let me tell you another word for, 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 what, for what would be normally accepted. Mediocrity. It's settling for the lowest common denominator. If I just keep this level, I won't be judged by society. Second thing you're going to have to learn to do is to press past self. Can you imagine being the Shulamite woman, warm in your bed, sleep has overcome? You know that feeling, maybe it's just me, that feeling when you come out of your sleep, but only slightly, and, and you know you're kind of conscious, but it's awesome because you know you're about to fall back in, and, and plus you, ha- you, you just, just, just kind of open your eyes so you know it's still dark outside, and you're like, yes. I got like maybe maybe like another 2 or 3 hours to go. Amazing. <laughs> maybe it's just cuz I love sleep, but <laughs> but for me those moments are kind of like that bonus when you when you find a ten, 10 rand in your in your pocket that you didn't know was there. I love those moments. Now if I was her and I wake up and I go where is my lover? Immediately there are some things that I have to overcome. One, my inclination towards what is safe and comfortable. It is safer and more comfortable to sleep and see it it in the morning. But I would have to overcome that inclination. The next thing that you would have to overcome or to press past is obstacles. Obstacles howling winds that you're hearing outside and you know that it's safer in here than it is out there and who am I going to meet out there and it's probably cold and I'm so much better here and all the reasons that we give ourselves why we should not pursue you're also going to have to press past people in her pursuit she comes across the white watchman of the night and she asks them have you seen have you seen the one I love and and, and they can't give her a response because they don't know who she's talking about. And sometimes we go to people and we're, we're seeking and, and we want them to point us in the right direction. And they, can't, they don't know what we're talking about because they don't know what the right direction is. She wanted them to point them to a lover that they didn't know. They couldn't help her because they didn't know him. That, that was deep, guys. Should I've said it a little louder. That was... <laughs> We seek, we seek out people. And here's the thing with people, is they're prone to disappoint you. And so we, we pin our faith on people. And then, and then we have to deal with people who walk, out, walk away from, from church, for example, because, oh my goodness, I was hurt by this person. I was hurt by this church. I can't believe that pastor said this or did this. I can't believe in that kind of a God. And I'm going, yeah, if that's your God, then I don't blame you. Because if you've pinned your hopes on somebody else, then you've made them your God. Sometimes it just feels safer to, be, to find a group and stay in that group. I have news for you. If you're going to pursue God, you can't outsource that function. I can't pursue him for you. The worship team can't pursue God for you. You don't get to outsource that. You don't get to show up to sh- to church and go, right? I'm here. Do the, do the thing. <laughs> who, who's, the, who, who's who's preaching? Ah, that, that guy doesn't. He doesn't hit the. He doesn't hit the spot. He doesn't. He doesn't know my language. I can't do that for you. I can pursue God. And I can pursue God for me. But you don't get to outsource that function to me. Sorry to have to let you know like this. If we had had a coffee beforehand, I might have. Can we stand together? I want you to notice the difference in the scripture that we read before, when, when the Shulamite woman passes, presses past the people, she finds her lover. And the scripture tells us that she grabs him and holds on to him and refuses to let go and takes him home with her. Right at the beginning of the scripture, she lost him. Sometimes we lose him and he slips out of our hands because we're too concerned with what people are going to think. Sometimes we lose him, and he slips out of our hands because we're too ready to settle for what is normal and mediocre, because we're not yet serious and willing to do business with him, because we're still going after the things in his hands and not the value of the time that we get with him and not his face. But when we've lost him, some of you will know what I'm talking about. If you've ever had that feeling that I've lost him, I've lost the relationship that I had with him, I've backslidden, I've come, I've fallen out of relationship, and you pursue him and you find him, boy, you hang on to him. You hang on to him and you hang on tight and you don't want to let go. And if it looks weird, you don't care because you cared before that it looked weird and it cost you relationship. You don't care what your neighbor is thinking or the person sitting next to you is thinking. You're holding on to Jesus and you will worship him with reckless abandon. And if it looks dumb and if it looks like you're performing, you don't care because you cared before and it cost you relationship. Hang on to him. Hang on to your lover. Take him home with you that your family should know, that your friends should know, that your acquaintances should know, your spheres of influence should know. And if it feels awkward, and if it feels weird, I don't care. I've lost him before. I'm not about to lose him again. This is the hope that she had in pursuing him. The hope that she had in pursuing him Was that she would find him. The hope that we have in pursuing Jesus, in remaining faithful to Jesus, is that he's coming again. That is our hope. That is where everything rests on. Everything rests on the fact that he is coming again. It is worth it for me to go through this trial because Jesus is coming again. It is worth it for me to undergo this persecution or this judgment or to lose this particular thing. Because Jesus is coming again. It is worth it for me to make this sacrifice. It is even worth it for me to lay down my very life. Because Jesus is coming again. Imagine then, I'm going to read the scripture to you. Imagine the pure joy of the Shulamite woman. When she had been seeking and seeking and seeking. And then she looks up in the distance, and she says, Who is this coming out of the wilderness? Who is that from a distance, like pillars of smoke, perfumed with myrrh and frankincense, with all the merchant's fragrant powders? Behold, my eyes are not failing. Yes, it's Solomon. Behold, it's Solomon's couch. With 60 valiant men around it, of the valiant of Israel. They all hold swords, being expert in war. Every man has his sword in his thigh because of fear in the night. Of the wood of Lebanon, Solomon the king made himself a palanquin. He made its pillars of silver. That's like a chair, fancy word for a chair. (laughs) He, He made its pillars of silver, its support of gold, its seat of purple. Its interior paved with love by the daughters of Jerusalem. Go forth, daughters of Jerusalem. Daughters of Jerusalem, come and see my love is coming. Go forth and see King Solomon with the crown with which his mother crowned him on the day of his wedding, the day of the gladness of his heart. Saints, when our Lord comes, it will be a great day. And we will be calling out this. I think it's him. Help me. Your eyes are better than mine. (laughs) What do you see in the distance? Could that be our Lord? Could it be the day? That is the hope that we have in drawing into relationship with him. In sacrificing. In paying the cost. In doing what we need to do. Father, would you cause us to be those who live with eternity in mind, that we would look to your coming, that your coming would help us to live pure and holy lives, that your coming would help us to be willing to do what we have to do to pursue you and to remain in relationship with you, that your coming would be the hope our intimacy with you, that we have a measure of intimacy now, but boy, boy, what we have to look forward to in eternity is mind-blowing. And so we say, come, Lord. Come, Lord Jesus. We look forward to the day of your coming. In Jesus' name.